0: Hello, I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church. This podcast homily for Second Sunday in Lent is the third in a series of seven podcast homilies for the season of Lent. Listeners may benefit from the AIC seasonal video series Lent, which is presented in three episodes, linked from the digital library page with the podcast version on the podcast archive page at www anglicaninternetchurch.net. The series offers a brief history of the evolution of Lent from the addition of Ash Wednesday to the calendar in the 7th century, Anglican traditions of the Lenten season including the color and fasting traditions, and commentary on the Collect Epistle and Gospel readings for Ash Wednesday and for all six Sundays in Lent from the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. The Collect Epistle and Gospel Readings for Second Sunday in Lent are discussed in Episode 2. The Epistle Reading for Second Sunday in Lent, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1-5, is a variation on St. Paul's homilies on various aspects of the Christian virtues, which were read earlier in Lent, as well as in Epiphany and Jessima Seasons, and which will be read several times in the upcoming trinity season the pericope is an excellent choice for the lenten season with its themes of repentance and preparation for the celebration of easter it is a plea for those who learn the beliefs of the christian church or the christian faith from saint paul to control their passions whether they are bodily passions by which he means physical lust or of the mind. Regarding bodily lust, St. Paul uses two technical terms, fornication, which is sexual relationships between two people who are not married, and concupiscence, which is strong sexual desire. Regarding passions of the mind, St. Paul specifically criticizes those who, quote, defraud or despiseth others. Modern terms, respectively, are theft, a violation of the commandment that thou shalt not steal. Hatred, a violation of Jesus' new commandment to love one another. St. Paul wrote that the flaw of despising as opposed to loving others is not consistent with a true love of God. His fellow apostle, St. John, John would later develop this theme more extensively in his own epistles, especially his first. The Gospel reading for Second Sunday in Lent, Matthew 15, 21-28, is St. Matthew's account of an unnamed Canaanite woman's encounter with Christ on the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, both now in Lebanon. The time is the spring of 29 A.D., a year before his arrest, trial, crucifixion, death, and resurrection. In St. Mark's account, she is called a Syrophoenician. St. Mark wrote his gospel in Greek for a wider population who wouldn't have recognized the Hebrew name Canaan. Canaan is also known as the Promised Land. While we might be confused about her origins, even though she was not a Jew who expected a Savior, or Messiah in Greek, or Christ in Messiah in Hebrew, Christ in Greek, she acknowledged him as Messiah and by his title, Lord, when she called out to him in verse 22, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is demon-possessed. To modern years, Jesus' response may seem cold or indifferent, perhaps heartless, for he did not reply to her. She persisted in her cries so persistently that his disciples thought she should, quote, be sent away. As I noted In previous homilies, Eastern Orthodox scholars suggest that the disciples thought he should simply heal the woman's daughter and let the woman go her own way. This implies that the disciples believed that Jesus had more important things to do. Jesus' answer, though brief, is full of important doctrinal messages. I was not sent except to the lost sheep, Of the house of Israel, he says in verse 24b. It would be another six months, according to the timing of the account of the Gospel of St. John chapter 10, before Jesus would refer to himself as the Good Shepherd and effectively acknowledge the offer of salvation being available to others, saying in John 10 16, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold. In St. Matthew's account in the spring of 29 A.D., his mission was still focused on the lost sheep from the house of Israel. The woman was not easily dissuaded, and she cried out to him in verse 25, Lord, help me. Note that although her heritage was Syro-Phoenician or Canaanite, as she had done in verse 22, she addressed Jesus by the title Lord, in Hebrew Adonai which means master. Jesus' second reply confuses today's politically correct and sensitive ears, saying in verse 26, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Here the children are the people of God, the chosen people, the descendants, or children of the house of Israel, the lot of whom he had just spoken. In the understanding of the first century in the Middle East, dogs were considered unclean. Here the term little dogs means the Gentiles or the non-Jewish people of the world, such as herself. There had always been an understanding in Old Testament scripture that the other peoples of the world, variously called the Gentiles or the nations, would eventually come to acknowledge the God of the Israelites. The morning prayer reading for Second Sunday in Lent is instructed. In First Kings 8, the question is raised over whether the prayers of non-Jews would be heard by God. The writer, traditionally said to be Jeremiah, says, "...concerning a stranger that is not of thy people Israel, but cometh out of a far country for thy name's sake." For they shall hear of thy great name and of thy strong hand and of thy stretched- out arm in nearly all the epistle readings for the Jessima and Lenten Sundays, the Christian virtue of humility is given prominence in this gospel reading. It is the Canaanite woman who was not a Jew who amply demonstrated it when she humbled herself before Jesus, effectively accepting her lesser state, of saying in verse 27, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Jesus said to this humble, nameless Canaanite woman in verse 28, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. St. Matthew tells us the daughter was healed from that exact hour. With these words, Jesus answered the question raised in First Kings 8, Does God hear the prayers of those not of an Israelite heritage or blood? Jesus' declaration to the Canaanite woman demonstrates that the answer is yes, God does hear the prayers of those not of Hebrew lineage. This Gentile woman's daughter was healed owing to her faith. Another incident in scripture which reinforces the same point is the account of Cornelius the Centurion, a Gentile of the Italian regiment near Caesarea, and a convert who had not been baptized, but whose prayers were answered as described in Acts 10 Verses 2 to 4. What the Canaanite or Syro woman and Cornelius the centurion shared was faith. The church teaches that faith is in itself a sovereign gift of the grace of Almighty God, who knows what is in the hearts of men and women, and who grants it to those he judges worthy. In the 2nd century, St. Clement of Alexandria wrote that faith is something superior to knowledge and that within it is the power for salvation and strength to eternal life. Christian teaching is that faith leads to sanctification by way of the presence of the Holy Spirit in those who are baptized. Christians traditionally also have believed that faith inevitably leads to works, and that faith is the source of all the Christian virtues. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this podcast homily are available at our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, with seasonal videos and Christian education videos linked from the digital library page, Bible study videos from the Bible study page, and podcast versions from the podcast archive page. Information about pricing or ordering any AIC bookstore publication is available through the Virtual Bookstore link at the bottom of the home page. Let's begin with the 12 Days of Christmas, 12 episodes for the first day of Christmas, December 25th, through the 12th day of Christmas, January 5th, and it offers a theological theme word or phrase for each day. The key word for the first day of Christmas is love. New Testament Gospels, a Bible study video presentation. In Episode 8, I discuss St. Mark's account of this encounter with the Canaanite whom he labels a Syrophoenician. The Lives of the Saints, a Christian education video series in two different series. The first series, from that first series, Episode 5, is focused on St. Paul. Episode 14 on St. Matthew, episode 15 on St. Luke. From the second series, St. Clement of Alexandria is the focus of episode 1, and Cornelius the Centurion of episode 11. The Great O Antiphons, a multi episode seasonal video series for each of the final seven days of Advent, and you can listen to or watch O Adonai, or Lord, in episode 2 for December 19th. In the bookstore publications, Prayers in the Christian Tradition includes the first closing prayer for this podcast homily on page 72 and other prayers from the first through the early 20th century. The writing prophets of the Old Testament in part 2, chapter 2, pages 21 to 28, where the focus is on Jeremiah with five illustrations from the 13th through the 19th century. The chapter includes a text box, Isaiah in Christian liturgy, excuse me, Jeremiah in Christian liturgy on page 24. Finally, layman's lexicon. Key words: faith on pages 74, 73 to 74. Lord, pages 136 to 137. Mercy or mercy, merciful, pages 144 to 146. And virtues from on pages 234 to 235. The first closing prayer is an adaptation from the Syrian Antiochian tradition based upon St. Paul's first epistle to the Thessalonians. The second is the Collect for Second Sunday in Lent, adapted by Archbishop Cranmer from the Gregorian Sacramentary of the Late Fifth Century for inclusion in the 1549 Book of Common Prayer. Illumine our hearts, O sovereign Master, who lovest man with the pure light of thy wisdom, and open the eyes of our understanding to the proclamation of thy gospel. Implant in us also the fear of thy blessed commandments, that trampling down all carnal appetites we may lead a godly life, both thinking and doing always such things as are pleasing in thy sight, For Thou art the sanctification and the illumination of both our souls and bodies, O Christ our God. And unto Thee we ascribe glory, together with Thy Father who hath no beginning, and Thine all-holy and blessed and life-giving Spirit, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Almighty God, who sees that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves, Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thought which may assault and hurt the soul through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www. Anglican Internet dot net.